Thank you for listening to the podcast. This is Sten. I would like to announce that my team in Nashville is looking to add an experienced advisor. This advisor would have approximately four years or more of experience, but more importantly, this advisor is looking for a new challenge. This advisor wants to take the elite path and reject the average path in our industry. In this role, you will work right alongside me growing your business. Together, we will help level up legacy as an organization. If you think you're up for this challenge, you can go to stenmorgan.com backslash apply to answer the questionnaire. Or if you're listening to this and you're thinking of another advisor that could be a good fit, please make that connection. If that advisor becomes an advisor on our team, I will send you a $5,000 referral fee. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with Andy Traub. And today we're going to talk about unhealthy phrases we hear from advisors. We do have the benefit of interacting with hundreds, if not thousands of advisors. And I, I think back to when I was a solo advisor, there was things that were in my head, beliefs, random thoughts on good days and even hard days that I thought were somewhat unique to me. And now we know that a lot of those are very common. Very so common. We want to unpack some of these phrases that we've talked to hundreds of advisors. As you listen, you're probably going to relate to one, if not a few of these. Our goal today is not to tell you to just stop thinking this way, but how can we put it in context of what's a healthier way to think about it? Yeah, and a lot of these thoughts are had by people who are on their path to becoming elite advisors. Mm -hmm. But there are things that are universal in their experience that will get in their way that an elite advisor will find a solution to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the measures of growth is how much conflict you run into. You know, resistance, pressure is a sign that uh, you're pushing against boundaries. Mm -hmm. So you might feel yourself alienated in the office because you're like, gosh, I really want to start doing this. And they're like, why would you do it that way? We've never done it that way. And you're like, uh-oh. Yeah. So th these are thoughts that you're going to run into that sometimes just internally because you're elite, you want to become more elite, uh, others around you, and sometimes your internal story or your past experience is going to dictate your thoughts. And we want to help you break through those. Yep. So, and part, and part of what we do in our community with advisors we coach directly, me and Andy, is we help normalize hard stuff. Yeah. Like the hard things are a sign you're doing new things, that you're going from probably being a beginner in that thing to eventually becoming better than most people in that thing if you stick with it. Yeah. Um, but part of that is learning to sit in the tension of, you know, there's still days where I'm sitting in here and people externally would say, man, I bet his days he's cruising, he's got a team. No, where I'm like, man, what are we doing? Are we getting enough business? Like yeah. the same limiting beliefs when I've given myself permission to like, extend, those are just going to happen. So when they happen, it's not really an indication that there's a big problem. It's how do I respond to it? And so this is kind of the training we help advisors with is like become more aware of it faster so it doesn't kind of just radiate through your office. Yeah. But how do you take hold of those thoughts and take action sooner? Yeah, I'll, I'm gonna, we'll talk about that. Uh, take hold of those thoughts mm -hmm. and then take action on them. Mm -hmm. It's not to dismiss them and it's, it's no, pay attention to it and then do something about it. I was onboarding a new member of our community last week and in my conversations with them, it, I, I said, you know, I've heard you say, you know, in your onboarding information and today's conversation three or four times about not feeling confident with hiring people. That has not gone well for you. Is that true? Yes. Are you going to be able to grow the business that you're telling me you want to grow without hiring people? No. Okay. Well, then let's figure it out. That's right. Right. And, and that's, you know, you can't, if you say you want this. Yep. And that's in the way we got to deal with that. So that's one of the first ones we're going to start with. Mm -hmm. And I think that you have uh, done a phenomenal job of developing in this area, which is one of the reasons that elite advisors who maybe are just crushing it as a, you know, by themselves, maybe one admin, 
it stunts their growth is they feel like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty good at what I'm doing. I can handle one admin, but I don't really see myself as a leader. I don't know that I really want to go from doing what I do, having a maybe lower overhead, so to speak. Uh, I, I don't want to spend that much more time leading people. Mm. And so that, that it keeps it holds them back from that next level of being a lead advisor. What would you tell someone that says, Hush, I really want to grow, but I just do not see myself as a great leader? Yeah. If most of the advisors we talk to, and I'll, I'll say at this point, everyone I've ever spoken with directly in regards to this, no one has ever said, Sten, I want my business to be a secret. I, I don't want more business. Um, I want to kind of hold out somewhere and I want to make just enough money to pay my bills. I, we see a lot of advisors acting that way, like that their actions might tell you, hey, that's what they're going after. Damn, but if you ask bro, them, getting personal. if you ask them, they would tell you, I want more than that. Right. And so for me, I know I was in that place. You know, nobody in my family ever ran a successful business. I'd never lead, led people well. Yeah. I, I didn't have examples of leading well. So I would even argue I was not a good leader to start. Sure. I, didn't, I didn't start at zero. I started kind of negative. I would agree with that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> a quick backstory. I tried to work with Andy. What was that, like eight, nine years ago? <laughs> and you said no. Timing's everything, people. But um, <laughs> and so for me, I had a long way to come in that. But what yeah. I knew early on was the, the practices I admired had teams. Yeah. The leaders of those practices were not the... Uh, the end-all be-all to everything on the team. They had people around them that were better at different things. They actually made more money in their career when they were working less. I didn't quite understand. I was aware that was possible. I met yeah. those advisors. I wasn't. I didn't understand how they did it, and I definitely didn't believe I could do that yeah. at that stage. But I knew a team was required. And so that's where I just had to sit off to say, I'm going to read what leaders do. I'm going to get around better leaders. And I'm also just going to start trying to lead people. Right. I had people leave the company probably because I wasn't a great leader. Um I probably didn't get some hires I wanted because they, I didn't have those capabilities early on. But yeah. just by doing it and leaning in, because I knew I had to have it at some point, we all have to be willing to be beginners at something at first. And I just had to step into it. Right. A few things that I love. Uh, one, you talked about, I just started to learn leadership, study leadership. I mean, it's not, you know, I, I, I don't know, and please don't be offended by this, that you or I are ever, even if we practice every day for four hours, going to be great opera singers. Like, just probably... Don't have it in us, not mm -hmm. built that way, okay? But I believe that if you have an open heart and mind and attitude that you can become a great leader, mm -hmm. anybody who's hearing my voice, because I think it's a skill that if you want to get better at it, there's plenty of resources out there to get better at oh, it. Oh, yeah. And part of it is um, great leaders um, have this confidence mixed in with humility Absolutely. and it was something that was so loose to me early on I, I kind of felt like hey once you did something you have to posture and when you walk into a room you have to let your presence be known and then people but i realized you get in certain rooms everybody in there is successful and they sniff that out and they just don't want to hang out with you uh, yeah. that once you become successful enough your confidence is almost just there yeah you know i i can solve any problem that i'm faced with if not i can find the person to do it and you just yeah. have this this humble confidence about you that I didn't have early on. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn it the hard way by just getting into business and like you know, getting hard feedback from people, having people leave, hiring the wrong way too fast. So for me, I look back like the, the act of doing it mm -hmm. is what taught me some of the things that I couldn't read in a book yeah. or that I read in a book and I could logically understand but have never internalized. Yeah. Because I don't know about everyone listening, but sometimes I have to learn things the hard way. Maybe more often than not, because then it seeps in, and I'm like, "Ooh, I have that experience." Yeah. Like, there's an emotion connected that I'm never going to do that the yeah. same. Yeah, and that could, for you could be, 
uh, I'm onboarding people or I, I've spent all this time training this person and they leave all of a sudden. They don't tell yeah. me why, like I've been through all of that. Yeah. And those are heavy days and those are hard days and limiting beliefs flood in. But by doing it, you're like, oh, that actually wasn't too bad. I survived it. Yeah. And now I know I'm not going to hire somebody this way again and just doing it. Yeah. The hope is, is you learn from others and you don't have to take the same path. That's part of what our program is. It's like, I, we will teach you how to hire better based on yes. all of our years of experience, but it's still going to be hard. You know, we have people in our community that have hired and then the person left pretty quickly or it's not going well. And they get really discouraged by that. Mm -hmm. And I tell them, listen, um, number one, there are other people. And two, like, yeah, you need to get better. Like that, that happens. Yeah. You know, I, I've, I know someone who's managed restaurants for many, many years and all of their managers after no more than maybe three years would quit. And, you know, the only common denominator there was that person who was running the restaurant. It was, mm. it was, it's not like that magically all these managers had a three year expiration. It was like, no, they're not being led well. Yeah. You know, they're just not being led well. And so two things you said, there's one, just study. And mm -hmm. two is at some point, you're just going to have to get in there and lead. Yep. But I would also submit this, that, that sort of secret, <laughs> that secret of humility that even if you don't, or say when you don't lead well, if if you have humility, then you'll say, you know what? Let's say it's, you know, somebody named Mike. Mike, I don't feel like I'm leading you very well. Like, I feel like we've had this conversation three times and it's not getting done. Like, am I not being clear in my instruction? Or is it, is it you? But like a bad leader would just say like, dude, get your crap together. Like yeah. knock it off, da, da, da. When in reality, it might be them. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I maybe I've told the story before, but. If I'm sometimes running a practice drill and it's not going well, I've shifted in my maturity as a coach to go, hold on, guys. And now gals, I'm t coaching my, my 11-year-old. She's in softball. And I'm, I'll just go, hold on. I don't think I explained this well. Nice. That's like, good. it's not on them. Yep. You know what I mean? It's not on the 12-year-old. Like, the 12-year-old didn't understand it because I overcomplicated it. Yep. So that's humility. Mm -hmm. And I think great leaders who have humility, sometimes they don't get very much press. Mm -hmm. They're not the most well-known. Yep. But I think that the, the quiet leaders have that quiet confidence are the ones that, that we need to learn from. Yeah, but they're also very direct. You know, but my leadership style, my overcorrection from being super intense, results-oriented oh, yeah. at all costs was, I want everybody to like me. I'm going to give them a bunch of chances. And, and I've had to correct, correct from that, too, to say, hey, I'm here to support you. If you want it, I want it with you. I'll be yeah. right there with you. But, like, we don't just get to hang out and do nothing. And so there's there's a way, and I'm finding that balance of, like, I care a lot, but the company and the rest of the team deserves the best from all of us. Yeah. And if, and if you have a culture that exposes that quickly, one, hopefully you get better at hiring that Two, somebody's going to be kind of probably scared off in their first 90 days. Yeah. And that's good. Yeah. Keeps culture intact. Yeah. We've had that happen. We've had a quick turnover in the company and you know, it's the initial reaction is, Oh my gosh, darn. But the mature reaction is good. Yeah. Good. We didn't waste a lot of time putting a lot of time and energy into someone that wasn't going to be a good fit. Yep. So something else that um, can be unhealthy uh, and and again, these are, you know, we're talking to you if you've had some measure of success and you feel like things are growing. But a lot of times uh, those who are growing will start to limit themselves because they'll say things like, you know, I don't know that I can really grow that much more because of my age or inexperience. So how how do you overcome that thinking that, uh, gosh, why would someone choose me over them if we go head to head? First, I will affirm if you're young, you're at a disadvantage. Yeah. If you have less experience, you're at a disadvantage. Like 
when I was in my mid twenties trying to meet with larger clients, like it would have been silly for me to pretend like they didn't register that thought mm-hmm. in their head. Or somebody said, hey, how long have you been in the business? And I said, you know, five years. That's different than someone saying 20. Yeah. So head to head, I had to just put those thoughts aside and say, yes, that's real. But like, what am I doing to just overcome those potential objections? So I studied. So I came with great ideas. My presentation, my workflow, like I was not bringing what I knew most advisors, the average advisors were, which is like, hey, great to see you. Here's your account performance. Here's some things we're thinking about. How are your kids? I'll see you in six months. Yeah. Like I knew that was where the bar was so set. The differentiator is not going to be experience. It had mm-hmm. to be something else. That's right. Right. And so being young is tough in this business. You're probably not getting in front of the biggest clients unless you have family connections. So all those things are true. So if, if you're feeling that still, that the reason I can't have a practice like Stens or some advisor that's even larger than my practice, those reasons may be valid. Mm-hmm. But for every reason you have that's valid, I bet we have an example of somebody that's overcome it. Yeah. 10x. Yeah. And so I think at times when we connect that our success has to wait on those factors. Yeah. That's the lie. Yeah. And and I had to work through that when I was young in Nashville, wearing baggy suits, walking around Vanderbilt's campus trying to get clients. Like my age was a factor. Yeah. But I said, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to do what everybody else is doing that has age and experience on their side and a network of people. Because at times once you have natural momentum in this business, I feel like that's an illusion of success. Yeah. Because if anybody survives in this business long enough, you have natural momentum. Yeah, You're going to get enough referrals. Your book has kind of organically grown over time. And so when I meet an advisor, I have more questions about their practice, their team, their uh, prospecting funnel. Like Those are the things I'm yeah. curious about. Yeah. Because if an advisor is like, hey, I'm 60 and I'm making a couple million bucks a year, that's not unusual. Like that, That'll just happen probably mm. if you just do pretty well. And so any limiting beliefs you feel from age, experience, you know, demographics you work around geographically where you right, are that you right. know, there's no money here we have examples of advisors that have overcome all those yeah and so for me that helped to meet more advisors because it kind of put those excuses to rest there were still factors i had to think about but i just said okay well it's a different way if i want to have success faster i'm just gonna have to do something different than everyone else is doing yeah you know i i'm sure it's been said by someone a long time ago uh that i don't remember the name of but it was don't believe everything you think yeah, that's and good. the idea is like this Could is an obstacle. Could it be don't believe most of the things you think? <laughs> that's, that's it's probably true. And I think that there's, you know, this is where it's really healthy to be around accountability and leadership and coaching. Mm-hmm. Is uh, someone will say something and I'll say, okay, so you believe this is what you're telling me that mm-hmm. that is true, and they're like, well, okay, well, I understand you're thinking it, but is it true? Nice. And it's okay. You cannot dispel unhealthy beliefs until you acknowledge that you're having the belief. And then we'll work through it. But I would just say that there are people who um, I appreciate that we're not like, oh, age is not a factor. No, it is. Yeah, It, it, it is a factor. But the question becomes, what are you going to do because you're at that disadvantage? Yep. I remember watching, uh, there was a, uh, I went to go see a Vanderbilt baseball game. Um, I was actually there, right in their College World Series um, kind of playoffs. And there was this guy and he was from, he was from Japan. And he was 5'3". Maybe just, I was like, that looks like a child. <laughs> I mean, I was like, that is a child. And he was the best player on the field. He was so fast. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he had, he had uh, one speed and it was go. You yes. know what I mean? And I thought to myself, that guy probably doesn't hit a lot of home runs, but like, what is he going to do with his size? Right. And so I would just say like, okay, you have this thing, like geographically you're in this area or age wise, you're at this age. 
Okay, that's a reality. Mm-hmm. That guy's not gonna become six foot tall. Yep. So what is he gonna do with what he has? Mm-hmm. And I would say this is that, that I love it when people go, yep, I'm young, but I'm, that's gonna make me hungrier. That's gonna make mm-hmm. me work harder because I wanna be elite. I don't want the 10 year path. Mm-hmm. I won't win Andy and Sen talk about, which is how do I get the three year path? Yep. Um, let's talk about uh, things people do to essentially try to take shortcuts that um, can work, mm-hmm. can be effective, but if done in an unhealthy way, um, are, 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 they don't work, right? Mm-hmm. So the first one being, um, when I buy this book of business, it mm-hmm. will fix my business. It, it will, it, it is the missing piece. Mm-hmm. It is the bridge between me and, and the success I want to have. Now, let's make it clear. Are you against buying books of business? Uh, no. In, in my experience and many experiences I've observed, it does not go well most of the time. Meaning, if, if a case study of a, a well-transitioned book of business where the advisor selling the book of business follows through with what they agreed to, they're, they're engaged, seeing it through to the end. Hold on, this actually happens? It's very rare. Okay. But, I've, but I've heard sound where it's like, no, I have, like, a, no, I have a friend who is an advisor, and he is, doing, he is selling his practice right now, and he is, his, his impeccable character. He doesn't want to get out right away. Mm-hmm. He really trusts and vetted the person that he's selling it to. He's embedded in their office for the next few years. I mean, it's truly nice. yeah. a beautiful handoff. It's the only one I've ever heard of. Yes. <laughs> it literally is. Yeah. Right? But there's some. Like, if you're within a bigger organization, they do it internally, and the rep okay. codes change easily. Like, there's some that are... Have less friction around okay. the change, but I've also observed enough, and I've tried it a couple times. That, in my experience, more often than not, the heart behind doing it was: Can I get a quick boost of income? Can I get clients easier? Mm-hmm. Um, and what I found is that more activity and more clients reveals issues mm-hmm. much faster than the revenue helping you create better choices right like you got to deal with one first and so for me i when we coach advisors it's buying a book of business can accelerate a healthy practice yeah but it can also drown uh, a struggling one with no systems yeah yeah and and so for me that's where when i talk to advisors there is this thing about like we've heard a a success story or we were at a conference and they said hey look to buy businesses because there is an aging advisor population there are books of businesses available but you know steal this term from somebody else like what's your buy box hmm. saying i want a book of business that has this demographic with this much aum okay. and like be very specific because you want it to be a good buy you don't want to buy a book of business um, that you lose the clients the advisor's yeah. out of touch like create so much headaches potentially that it, it should be viewed as a big business decision not just a quick shot in the arm yeah and i had some conversations last week with a few advisors i'd love for you to have some clarity to this when you're considering buying a book of business or within a, i think this was a larger company so it was an internal one one of the things they expressed to me, this was a new member of our community, and they said, you know, I have this book of business and I'm excited about it and some things are going well. Mm-hmm. Myself and my staff are worried about these impending, um, and, and, and it actually wasn't just impending, it was a reality. There's, it's going to get worse, he felt like, of the service calls on those. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, and you make a withdrawal and you're like, uh, you know, of $4,000 on this account that, you know, I, I started 20 years ago. Now, that, that might not seem like a big deal. My question for them was like, is there someone else you can hand that off to? Mm-hmm. And they said, with all honesty, like I, I, I don't want to 
I don't want to do all that work for them, but if mm -hmm. I know someone else, I just, I don't trust them. Yep. So it's the service work that comes along with buying that larger book of business. Yeah. That again, those are things you usually don't think about. You're just sort of like, oh, it's all the good stuff. It's all That's the right. good stuff, yeah. right? So, so it doesn't, you have to make sure, and this is what you communicate with me, that your infrastructure can truly handle that book of business, mm -hmm. not just the potential that you're super excited about. Yeah, because it's going to come with AUM some weight, right? Bump. Yeah, there's, uh, you're probably not going to keep all the clients. There's going to be a surge of service plus reselling them. Um, I think there's a, there's a better way to do it, and then there's a lazy way to do it. The lazy way may work to some degree, but there's also, I think of this as an advisor, there's times where you have to put your business hat on. Yeah. And you can't be an advisor looking to buy a practice. You have to be a business owner looking at buying a practice. And and those questions are different. The, huh. the AUM is nice, but it's like, okay, who's going to take this over? If I were to buy a practice right now, I would be the one to facilitate it and advertise slash promote our process and our team to somebody else. But as soon as it came over, there's nobody around Chris would run point on the transition of advisor to right. client relationships. Brooke would be lead on kind of dedicated cert. Like we would have a team approach to it um, to where Sten would be not very needed. Yeah. Because if it's me needed, if it's taking me away from probably higher productive items in the short term, right? that's probably not a good business. I'm, I'm just not ready for it yet. Yeah. And so if yeah. advisor said, Sten, I have this great practice. I want to buy it. I'd say, okay, are you ready for it? I wouldn't talk you out of it. I wouldn't say, oh, it's the best thing. You should do it tomorrow. But the, I'd have questions around, is your business ready for it? Yeah, and, and I would just, again, in my conversations with advisors, um, it is just, and I don't have a number, but uh, in my experience, uh, it, it, a vast majority of the time, it is, um, it's kind of what we talked about in a prior episode of people choosing to go to a different company because they think it's going to solve their problems. Mm -hmm. um, it is, it, it's just, it's just so rarely as good as you think it's going to be. Yeah, you know, and and that's multiples are really high right now. Like now is probably not the time for individuals to buy advisor practices because uh, venture capital money is kind of coming in mm. with really high multiples. Wow. But if you were going to advisor to advisor and you had a relationship with somebody over time and they're saying, hey, let's do a really uh, friendly transition. I'm not just looking for the biggest check up front. I'm okay yeah. letting you buy me out over 10 years. Yeah. Like there's a structure there that probably makes sense Yeah. Um, versus trying to compete with these really big upfront checks. Yeah. Because if somebody's purely looking to exit their business and just make the most money, it's probably not selling to another advisor. Yeah. It's selling to some group. Well, I, I mean, a comparison to that is, you know, you want to sell your house, you sell it to a company that's buying lots of houses for cash or you take it slower, right? That's right. Um, you want to cover this one? Um, yeah. That's yeah. One. So last one we'll talk about, and this is pretty, this, this, this goes along with the last one we talked about a little bit, but. Uh, I need to hire so-and-so person because their connections, uh, I, I want to bring over the connections they have, the relationships that they have at the other, mm -hmm. uh, at their current work. Yep. And, I, you know, again, the reason we're, we're listening, the reason we're targeting these things is these are things that I think elite people will sometimes think like, I'm not going to yeah. just raise someone up. Like, I'm going to go get after it. I'm going to go, I'm going to go find the shortcut and hire this person away. Yep. It sounds like a really cool thing. Mm -hmm. Why does it often not work to hire someone away because of their connections, relationships, or current accounts? Why would that not work? I think about, I put these in the category of they are decisions that somewhat successful advisors are thinking about because if you're brand new in the business, you're not thinking about buying a book typically um, or going and headhunting some yep. influential person away from a bank yep. or some organization yep. and paying yep. them 200 grand a year. So this is really when people get to a place of like, hey, I have some extra cash flow in the business. I'm feeling pretty comfortable. 
I really don't want to repeat the hard work I did in the past. So yep. what are these hacks, shortcuts, fast tracks, whatever you want to call it, to get me to the next level, make more money, uh, maybe more fully utilized infrastructure I have built because it feels like you know, we have capacity. Yeah. I think about it when I work with business clients. The first time they start making money, they make bad choices because this money's burning a hole in their pocket. And they almost now have the ability to kind of throw money at things they don't understand. And they're making worse decisions now that they've had some success than they did when they didn't. Hmm. And so as a business owner, as an advisor, when you get to a place where you're like, wow, I have some flexibility, I can even think about these things I've never thought about before. Yeah. We may be more susceptible to bad ideas yeah. or, or shortcuts yeah. that sound good that we, we really need to discern. And we, and we coach our advisors, you want to do great things, not good things, which means you say no more than you say yes. Yeah. And so if you're thinking of hiring somebody, I've seen this work too, pure rainmakers, really well connected, the comp structure set up the right way, they're incentivized, not just, hey, here's a big base salary, now go get them. It's like, no, here's a good salary, but your real income comes from you actually delivering on what we think you're good at. Yeah. So it keeps everybody incentivized the same way. So that can work. Um, I haven't had success with it. I've even gone out and found advisors that appeared to be successful. I brought them over, and then they just didn't want to work because they had already just become successful enough. Good news is our, our culture kind of exposed that yeah. and made them uncomfortable. Because if you want to come to Legacy and just hang out, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So it, it, that I would put in the category also of... More often than not, advisors that I see, they're doing that for kind of a quick win. They're not doing it as a very intentional strategic business choice that they thought out, vetted out, built a really good comp structure around it. There's a really good culture fit. It, it's usually done a little knee-jerk. Yeah, I was going to say, hey, hast this person, say hastily. Yeah, yeah. You know, I met somebody, vetted, yeah. they work at the bank. I mean, this is a live example of a member. And I remember talking to him about it, and I was like, this feels pretty good. Yeah. But I think what they end up finding out was, to your point, you mentioned this to me earlier, that banker wasn't the one that got those relationships. They just happened to be at the bank for a long time yeah. and meet a bunch of people from the bank. So as soon as they ran through their low-hanging fruit connections, they didn't have the skill set to go get more. Yeah. And it's like, oops, we just overpaid this person because we we assumed they could keep delivering and they couldn't. Yeah. And so I, I think that's where you want to step back. And we do this with advisors that we coach. We just ask good questions. Yeah. And sometimes they lead themselves to yeah, that's probably not the best use of my time. Yeah. And I, and again, I think that I sort of look at it like, you know, if you wanted to cater out a meal, that's great. But that's not going to make you a better cook. Nice. Meaning like, we're really hungry. We need great food. Okay. Uh, go cater. But then it's like, don't be surprised when that food's gone that you don't know how to cook. Mm -hmm. Like, so when you bring that person in, you know, are you getting value? Is there a good? Yeah. yeah. But then when they get through that, mm -hmm. you're left with who you were before. That's right. And you might have someone on your payroll now. Yeah. So again, I'm not saying it doesn't work. Like, you know, those people that Kits has talked about this when you had a conversation with them, and it's, I think it's known sort of through the industry, your third or fourth spot you land on is usually the spot you land on. Mm. Right. And so, yes, people move. Right. right. Uh, and I think, you know, we help people in our community sometimes realize, you know, this is the right place for you or not. But the reality of it is that more to an unhealthy anything is just more unhealthy. Yeah. Right. And so th this can work, but just, just take off the rose-colored glasses, you know, yeah. reach out to us, literally. I mean, we get emails every day yeah. of people asking us just general questions about their practice, yep. you know, in their business. Do that. We, we want to help guide you in that. And obviously, people in our community get more access to that. Uh, but, you know, I want to challenge if you're listening to when is the last time that you had your practice evaluated by another advisor or mm -hmm. somebody that actually knows the business really well? It's not kind of a, a, a co-manager in a firm kind of stroking your ego, because I've been at some firms where I like they're praising these advisors, and I'm like, 
what they don't know is that in this pond, they're doing okay, not even great. But if they swam out over here, they would get destroyed. Like yeah. they don't even have an idea of what it looks like to be a successful advisor with a healthy business. Yeah. And sometimes, and I've had multiple gut checks like this to where I'm like, hey, I think I'm doing pretty good. And, and I open the door for somebody to come in and be like, this, 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 and this, that's all below average. Look at this over here. And it's like, oh, ego shot. But part of what we do with our members is we onboard them. Yeah. And we do an evaluation of your practice and we ask hard questions because, and the goal of that is what's going to come out of it is you're going to say, hey, here's part of my practice. It's healthy, but here are the things that I'm exposed that are unhealthy or, or well below average. That's where we want to spend our time. Tweaking something we're already pretty good at is not how we level up. No. It's what are the things that will make a meaningful, dramatic change in our business. And when we have our process, we put advisors through, like, you get exposed. Yeah. But you'll look back and say whatever discomfort, embarrassment, I, I don't feel that stuff anymore because I'm like, that's a great point. Like, it's more embarrassing for me to sit in that longer unwillingly yeah. un un or unknowingly than for somebody to call it out and me to make the adjustment quicker. Like, yeah. that is a sign of a business owner with humility versus, no, I'm going to stick over here shut everybody out, not ask questions, not open my practice to be looked at because I'm just worried about the yeah. impact of that. I've been so encouraged recently, and we'll wrap with this, uh, you know, the, the last four or five members we've, we've onboarded in the last couple of weeks, like the, the the willingness to say, like, I don't know if you've heard this phrase before, like, your baby's ugly. <laughs> yeah. You ever heard that phrase? Oh, yeah. Like, it's like, that's the thing you're not supposed to say. Oh, it's gorgeous. Is it, you know, but like their openness, which is why they're just so great for the community because they're coming in saying, like, tell me what you think is mm. broken. Yep. And to to call out that thing that they know is they generally know it's true, mm -hmm. but they just haven't been around people who are willing to say like, no, you you know you you you're not you're 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 not hiring someone because you're saying you're not a good leader. You're not mm -hmm. trying to become a better leader to hire someone. So you're just you're, you have this self perpetuating cycle where you're the victim. And they're like, yeah. yeah, you're right. And so with our coaching now, it, it's here's your next here's the three things you're going to do in the next thirty days, and we will hold you accountable to that. Yep. Yes, we give six month goals, and yes, there's other things to do, but it's like. What are the next three things you need to do in the next 30 days? Yep. How many advisors would love to go like, thank you. Like, that's what I want. And that's what we provide through that. And that's what we want to provide to more folks. And we mm -hmm. hope that this episode has given you some practical things. Uh, but if you want to check out your readiness, uh, we have an assessment at stenmorgan.com slash ready. And it'll give you your planning readiness score. Uh, and that's a great place to start to actually quantify and kind of go like, what is the health of my practice as it relates to planning specifically? Yeah, advisors want to know, am I ready to charge for advice? Uh, even, even if I don't push the invoice across the table, yeah. does my process feel just as in-depth as another planning advisor? Or if I went to the table against a planning advisor, the client would feel like, wow, there's so much more over here. This felt so much more dynamic than what I used to deliver, which was very investment and insurance focused. Yeah, And so that I love that assessment because it's one, it's like, could I charge for advice soon at what level? But also, do I have a good process? Is my mindset where it needs to be? to separate myself from what we call the average advisor. Right. So go to stenmorgan.com slash ready, and that will uh, lead you to that assessment. And you get their number right away. You get an email. And it shows up on the screen. And so um, check that out. Um, we have people going through that every single day uh, and getting their scores. And then our, our, our goal and, and the way we measure when we work with uh, clients with the Lead Advisor Network is we help you make that score better. Yeah. Right. But you, you only know how to get better by knowing where you're at today. And so that's what that assessment will help you do. Stan, thanks for your time today. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it.